You are listening to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the key issues and emerging trends affecting the global health and nutrition industry, helping businesses make informed decisions and drive change. Hello and welcome to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. I'm Charlotte Bastianza, joined today by Jörg Buttinghaus, who is Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Kappa Bioscience. Thanks for joining me today, Jörg. Oh, very welcome, Charlotte. Thank you for inviting me. We're chatting today about vitamin K2 and its positioning within the global nutraceutical industry. We're going to talk a little bit about the science behind K2 and the market opportunities for businesses. Um, York, last year alone, more than 300 brand marketers have launched dietary supplements with K2 for the very first time. Um, in your opinion, why do you think these products have been so successful? Um, I would say there's four reasons why we see vitamin K2 moving from a niche market into the mass market. And that is something that we call the critical quote. Um, the simple story behind it. Vitamin K2 is in demand. That's what we see on the number of product launches. If you just mentioned 300 launches over last year around the globe. Um, on the other hand, we also know from a lot of consumer research we have conducted that formulations containing vitamin K2 are very attractive to consumers with health concerns in the range of uh, bone health, cardiovascular health, but also kids and teens health. So there's a number of application behind and also vitamin K2 as an ingredient um, serves every dose form in the market. So we can, can guarantee that vitamin K2 products are of uh, high level convenience and good comfort for consumers. So easy to consume, um, delicious to consume. And last but not least, one of the reasons why K2 is now growing fast in the mass market is the price because the price is now down to less than two cents per daily dose. And uh, in relation to the significant health benefits, K2 provides uh, a two cents per day or less investment into proper health is a great investment. I think um, with the opportunities that you've highlighted and its growing popularities, I would assume that in the future it's going to grow even further. So for developers who might not be too familiar with what vitamin K2 is, could you explain to us a little bit more about how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So vitamin K2 is an essential fat-soluble vitamin. And what it simply does is it mediates calcium in the body. So it helps the body to move calcium into the bones, but it also helps the body to remove calcium from places where it shouldn't be, like arteries or skin or um, kidneys, for example. So you can say vitamin K2 puts calcium in balance. Um, and I think for some people who might not know, there are two different groups within the vitamin K family, and they serve quite different functions. What, what do you define as the difference between vitamin K1 and K2? Uh, good question, and I would say it even gets more complicated because we have K1 and we have K2, but we have different forms of K2. So what is all this about? So the two vitamins, K1 and K2, they differ in their molecular structure, and this relates to the effect the vitamins show in the human body. 
Most of the vitamins were discovered in the 1930s, and uh, the scientists who have been working on, on this subject actually received the Nobel Prize uh, back in 1942. The K1 and K2 molecules, they have the same ring structure, a naftokinone ring, uh, but they differ in the side chain and in the lengths of the side chain. So K1 and K2 have a different side chain, and this um, has an influence on the transport mechanism of the molecule in the body. So you find vitamin K1 uh, mainly in the liver, and it's known as a blood clotting uh, supportive vitamin. So we do need vitamin K1 in our uh, body system every day and constantly in order to uh, manage the blood clotting process. And actually, our body is able to recycle K1. So we usually have enough K1 in our body system. And we can easily obtain vitamin K1 from our diet. It is a very uh, prominent uh, component in all kinds of green leafy vegetables. That's where we can get it from. Uh, K2 differs in the side chain. And it is actually made by bacteria in the uh, intestine by changing the K1 molecule into the K2 molecule. And over this process, it is not only a K2 molecule with um, four isoprenoid units on the side chain, which is similar to the K1, uh, which we call on, on the K K2 and MK4, which is menachinone, philoquinone is K1, menachinone is K2, and menachinone 4 means a K vitamin with four isoprenoid units. And there are many, many more. Um, there's uh, known in the market MK6, MK7, MK9, and so on. But it is the vitamin K2, MK7, that is a game changer in the dietary supplement industry. The MK7 um, has a very easy uptake in the human body, and it has a very long half-life. So if you compare the K1 and also, for example, K2 and K4, they have a half-life of one and a half hours. They are most prominent in the liver. K2 MK7 has a half-life of 72 hours compared to one and a half. That's, that's quite a big difference. And the K2 MK7 is distributed all around our body. So we, we do find it um, outside the liver. And that's where it um, performs a different function than K1 is able to do. And that is why um, we have to differentiate uh, significantly and strong when we look into K1, blood clotting, and when we look into K2, especially MK7, for bone health and cardio health. Jörg, thank you so much for um, the overview of the difference between K1 and K2. And I think that just reinforces the message of how important it is to work with an experienced and knowledgeable um, business when it comes to breaking down the different benefits of K1 and K2. Um, I guess a key market where K2 has been really successful is in heart health. Um, in your opinion, what are K2's benefits for heart health and how does it target areas of concern like calcification and artery health? You just mentioned the calcification, that's a core issue. What actually happens is uh, when we take uh, calcium from the diet, uh, dairy products, for example, are a great uh, ingredient for or product form that supplies us with uh, high amounts of calcium, relatively easy to um, obtain from the diet. Um, uh, we have to make sure that the calcium 
place and areas in the body where we want it to be. I think it's more or less known to everyone that calcium and bones, there's a relation. If we want to have strong bones, we need calcium. But when we take the calcium, um, it can go to the wrong places. And this might just be uh, the skin where calcium can cause wrinkles. It can be kidney stones, which is already a severe uh, medical substance. Uh, but I think what is the worst here is arterial calcification, um, which is a, uh, one of the reasons for uh, stroke and heart attack. And stroke and heart attack, cardiovascular diseases in general, are the top reason for mortality all around the globe. And in its function, vitamin K2 activates a protein which is called MGP or matrix GLA protein. And the MGP helps to remove calcium out of the soft tissue away uh, from the arteries and helps to move it back into uh, the bloodstream where it can then again uh, reach the bones where we want to have it. And this is um, proven in, in a large number of uh, clinical studies. I think the most prominent one is called the Rotterdam study where more than 4,000 healthy Dutch uh, volunteers have been observed for a time frame of 10 years uh, regarding their diet, and it has been proven that uh, the group with a relatively high amount of vitamin K2 um, showed a 50% lower um, level of uh, cardiovascular-related mortality and also, um, in, in general, receiving any kind of cardiovascular health disease. So it has been proven in different trials that K2, via its activation of the MGP, helps keep arteries flexible. And as we can all imagine, uh, if an artery is flexible, it becomes much more difficult for plaque and fat to stick to the um, inner wall of the artery, uh, which is uh, then a big, big risk factor. So yeah, K2 mm -hmm. is a very prominent cardiovascular supporting, heart health supporting ingredient via the activation of MGP. York, it's so interesting that you mentioned the, the Rotterdam study, and I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit more about um, the ongoing science that you might see behind K2. I think um, with pharma certainly entering the nutraceutical space and the demand from consumers and product manufacturers, there's a real need for validated research. And so I'd love to just hear a little bit more from you about the current and ongoing scientific evidence behind K2. Um, with Kappa Bioscience being such a leader in the space, are there any other studies that have really stood out to you as solid blocks of science? Absolutely. There is, if, if we look back when the K1 and K2 molecules were discovered and described in the uh, late 30s and early 40s of the last century, um, the whole scientific community followed the um, blood clotting story of vitamin K1. And that is why we call K2 the missing vitamin, because for a period of six decades, it was really not prominent in scientific research. And then um, initiated by a meta study that discovered a correlation between osteoporosis and cardiovascular diseases uh, occurring all around the world, it also showed that in a region in Japan, um, people living there have significantly lower risk of cardiovascular disease, but also um, osteoporosis is not very prominent. And then it was uh, discovered that this is related to um, a certain ingredient in a specific dish called uh, 
uh, natto, which is a fermented soybean product, and in there it was discovered there is vitamin K2. And that's how it all started back in the 1990s, and then um, over the uh, two decades following, an increasing number of clinical studies have been conducted and uh, presented to the scientific community. And yeah, the Rotterdam study was then, of course, one of the key studies. Um, but in the meantime, we are looking at more than 20 relevant clinical trials that have been conducted on vitamin K2 and especially on K2 MK7. And right now, there is uh, approximately 30, maybe even more, um, clinical studies ongoing um, looking at the activation of MGP on the reduction of arterial calcification, um, the, the flexibility of arteries, K2's potential actually to reduce arterial calcification. Um, there's a lot of work in, on, on this uh, matter, on the cardio matter. There's uh, a lot of scientific work going on in the area of bone health, activation of osteocalcin and improvement of bone mineral density over years. Um, there are a number of, of very interesting studies. Um, there's uh, one study that was conducted on a natural source of calcium combined with D3 and vitamin K2 over seven years' time. And this study has actually shown an increase in bone mineral density in a risk group of patients, women the age of uh, over 35 years, where usually the osteoporosis uh, starts working and where we see uh, an, an average loss of bone mineral density of 1%, uh, maybe 1.5% uh, per year. And usually calcium supplementation can um, slow um, the loss, meaning instead of losing 1.5% per year, it can go down to minus 0.5%, uh, but it's still a loss where the, the study mentioned before has actually proven an average growth of bone mineral density of 1.04% among the whole participant group per year. And on top of the whole seven years when this study was conducted, no side effect was measured. So this is just one example. Um, right now, more than 20 in about three, four years, um, the amount of relevant clinicals will exceed 50 trials. And we see trials um, also in many other areas. K2 is now undergoing trials um, related to Parkinson, Alzheimer, uh, certain types of cancer. Um, what we see, we see um, it in relation to um, gut health. Uh, we see K2 studies being conducted in relation to eye health. And um, even in the sports community. And interesting is on most of these studies, it, there's, they are somehow um, related to calcium. So if we're just taking a look at the eye health, for example, um, the microcapular system within the eye is, of course, also affected by calcium being deposited. And um, when we see calcium in, in these small arteries, um, this can have a very negative effect in, in, in supplying enough blood um, to the cells within the eye in this case. And this can cause uh, following harms to the visual um, uh, potential of the eye. So this is just one example, but, but all the other areas I've just mentioned, they are, they are somehow connected to the calcium in the body. And very interesting new scientific field is um, the sports uh, market. There was a study being published 
a few years back, uh, McFarlane et al. have demonstrated a 12% increase of maximal cardiac output in athletes. So what does it mean? The, the maximal cardiac output, of course, translates to the uh, amount of oxygen we bring into our body. And athletes usually train, that makes them athletes. And when they train, they want to improve um, the maximal cardiac output. So a 12% increase within athletes um, equals a training period of six to nine months. And this increase has been obtained by an intake of 240 microgram K2 per day within just eight weeks' time. So um, that's just a starting point. We see many other opportunities for K2 in the, in the sports segment. And you will see much more uh, uh, coming out of, of, of sports science and related to vitamin K2 over the next years. Interesting to see how where the opportunities are for K2. I really do see it um, growing so vastly into markets like you mentioned, eye health and sports nutrition. And really interesting to hear the science behind how it might be quite effective in targeting diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, like you mentioned. Um, Jörg, I'm interested to hear a little bit more. We speak about the clinical trials are really focusing on how K2 puts calcium in balance and overcomes concerns like calcification. How, does, how is K2 activated in the body and how exactly does it create this balance? Good question. So we, we talked about the MGP, the um, protein that helps uh, bring calcium back from soft tissue into the bloodstream. So consider this as being one half of, of the balance process. Uh, so releasing calcium from areas where it shouldn't be. But of course, in order to obtain a real balance, it also, K2 also uh, helps to bring calcium into areas in the body where we want it to be, and that's particularly the bone mass, which is where our bones are uh, dominantly built out of um, calcium. So what it does is here, uh, vitamin K2 activates a protein which is called osteocalcine. And let's follow um, the calcium a little bit. So let's consider... Uh, uh, we drink a glass of milk, and this glass of milk contains natural calcium. And when we drink the milk, and when the, the, the calcium within the milk, the milk calcium enters the intestine, um, it needs to be um, uh, taken up by the body. And this is where vitamin D3 plays an essential role, because D3 um, basically moves calcium into the into the body. So that now we have it in the body where we want it, but we need to direct it into the right place. And now vitamin D3 plays a second role because vitamin D3 um, helps the bone building cells to develop a protein that acts like a tool and that can connect with calcium. So on the, on the bones, we have two cells, which are the um, osteoblast and osteoclast. And these two um, constantly uh, remodel uh, the, the bone structure. So let's simply say old calcium goes out and new calcium comes in. And when we see the osteoblast, uh, which are supposed to move out calcium and other minerals, when we see an, an, a very high activity of osteoblast, higher than the activity of the osteoclast, then we lose bone density. So now the D3 helps to develop, helps the osteoclast to develop this tool, the osteocalcine. And the osteocalcine is 
let's say it's, it's a lazy protein. It doesn't really want to grab calcium and move it into the bone. It needs to be activated. And from a biochemical perspective, it's a carboxylation process that happens. And vitamin K2 is an essential cofactor in this carboxylation process. So long story short, uh, we take calcium from the diet. The D3 brings it into the body. The D3 provides the osteocalcin and K2 activates the osteocalcin. And this is what we call the bone health triangle. And when this bone health triangle is effective, it will help us to move calcium into the bones. So this being said, this is the part of the bone health, and the other part is related to calcium at the wrong places, and, and the two things, K2's activation on MGP and K2's activation on the osteocalcin, these two functions together put calcium in balance. Um. Um, Jörg, with that understanding of how K2 puts calcium in balance, um, I think it's it's now worth discussing who exactly could benefit from this. Uh, we speak about calcification, you know, leading to heart attacks and things like loss of bone density. Is there a particular age gap that you see being essential for K2 supplementation, or do you see this being more of an all-round vitamin that, that people can take throughout their lives? Absolutely. K2 is required at every stage of life. So... Um, uh, so let's say kids um, grow, so uh, over the growth process, the growth spurt especially, they need high amounts of calcium and um, that's why they also need vitamin D3 and vitamin K2. It has actually been proven that uh, we can build uh, a calcium bank in our bones during uh, the, the first decades of our life because uh, from date of birth and actually before that, um, but until um, the age of around 18, 20 years, that's when we build our bone peak mass um, and when we have the strongest bones throughout life. And that's a process of, of constantly fast bone building. And it has been demonstrated that people having a bone peak mass 10% higher than the average have a 50% lower risk of receiving osteoporosis in later stage of life. So by supporting our kids' growth and our uh, teens' growth with uh, calcium D3 and K2, we can actually put them in a very strong position to prevent osteoporosis and weak bones in later stage of life. And then it continues. Um, within adults, um, we see already starting at the mid-30s, that bone uh, mineral loss occurs. So uh, women, mid-30s, definitely need a lot of calcium. And that also means they need D3 and K2 because without what we call the perfect pair, um, the calcium wouldn't go where it belongs. So calcium, D3, K2, that's, that's the bone health triangle, the power package. And that's especially good for women from the mid-30s. Now, when let's take a look at, at, at men, um, mid-aged men uh, very often um, have issues with um, obtaining more body weight and um, often have uh, uh, hormone-related stress factors and the like. So especially in this group, arterial calcification is a, a big risk factor for obtaining stroke and heart attack. And for this consumer group, for example, product formulations 
containing, again, D3 and K2 for putting the calcium in balance. But at this stage, maybe combined with magnesium, which is a uh, stress-reducing mineral, very powerful, very fast-growing in the market. Um, this combination of D3, K2, magnesium, and maybe also with vitamin B1, um, that really supports um, our cardiovascular system. As you may know, um, magnesium also has demonstrated um, effects of improving arterial uh, flexibility, um, especially in overweight men. And this together with vitamin K2 makes it a very powerful uh, cardio combination. And then we can continue. Uh, we talked about the athletes before and the increase of uh, maximal cardiac output, uh, where K2 plays an important role. And then in later stages of life, um, when some of these diseases like um, osteoporosis, for example, become more prominent, it's actually possible to make uh, more unique formulations. If we add on to the bone health triangle of calcium, vitamin D3 and vitamin K2, specialty ingredients like collagen peptides, for example, that also provide uh, this, the, the structure within the bone where um, calcium is put in. Then we have really specialty products, uh, balanced diets for specific consumer groups in elderly stages of life. So it's, it's basically for everyone. And um, I must say, personally, I take about uh, 200 uh, microgram of vitamin K2 every day. I combine it with 2,000 international units of D3, and I take about uh, 400 milligram of magnesium per day, and um, makes me feel good. Good. I'm sure you're going to be very healthy for the rest of your life. Um, Jörg, with all these various age groups and life stages that really benefit from K2, I can imagine there is so much scope for the science that can be carried out to investigate um, isolated health concerns. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, develop the, the possibility to develop unique formulations or specialized ingredients. Um, as an expert in the space, what do you see as the overall status of K2 science? I know we've spoken at length about the ongoing clinical trials and the research and how K2 will probably grow into areas like eye health and sports nutrition. But are there any other markets you see potential for K2 or maybe gaps in the science that need to be filled? I mean, like for, for any ingredient, uh, science uh, needs to continue. We're going to discover more. Uh, interesting uh, elements uh, every time a, a new study comes up. Um, I would say for the time being, what is uh, very relevant is that we talked about those more than 20 trials that are already published. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about relevant trials. If we look at the total number of trials being conducted, uh, some of them are of, of fairly poor quality. Uh, that would be more than 50 trials. But I mean, also a nice aspect here is uh, if you follow the number of publications, for example, on PubMed about vitamin K2, MK7, from the 40s uh, up to um, the 2015 years, it was a, a very low number of publications every year. Uh, from the 40s till the 90s, it was basically zero to maybe five publications every year. But since a couple of years, I think four or five years now in a row, we see more than 400 publications um, related to vitamin K2 every single year. And with all of this um, background and with a big number of substantial clinical trials, uh, good achievements have been done already. So, for example, we have the EFSA health claim 
uh, for um, keeping and maintaining uh, strong bones. There is also right now about 19 structure function claims that we can label on consumer products in the US. And I think that is very relevant because right now, the strongest scientific evidence is available for cardiovascular health and also for bone health. And the other applications we've mentioned before, they need more scientific work to be done. Maybe the sports category with the McFarlane study and some um, uh, recently conducted trials will be the next field that will go from science to commercial. Um, but I think the, the fact that we have all these structure function claims and the EFSA health claim, um, that matters a lot because if you want to see an ingredient long-term commercially sustainable in the market, um, it's not just that, that, that there must be a kind of uh, present demand, there must be scientific validation and there must be claims that we can put on the product because that's what guarantees the long-term success. And um, as we have this for vitamin K2, it is not just that we see a lot of new products uh, being launched, meaning new brand donors bringing out K2 products for the first time, which very often is D3 plus K2, the perfect pair of calcium D3 and K2. Um, what we now see is that uh, basically all our business partners who have launched K2 products over recent years are now bringing new K2 products to their portfolio. So when they, when they started with uh, simple formulations like um, the perfect pair D3K2, uh, some then added on a calcium K2 D3 formulation, but now more and more companies are doing the magnesium K2. And we conducted a recent um, consumer research on omega-3 and K2. At the same time, we did the magnesium K2 and because we felt that's gonna be the big new market. But the outcome of the omega-3 K2 consumer trials we have done, that was simply amazing. Actually, um, the research company we worked with was very surprised as well because the K2 D3 formulation came out with the best results, the highest scores on market prediction and on purchase intent ever tested on dietary supplements within this research group who has conducted tons of consumer trials and dietary supplements before. So it's, um, we see in, in certain consumer groups a purchase intent of up to 20%. And the, the average in this category usually is around 7%. So there's, uh, mm. and that means consumers looking at this formulation for the first time, combining and, and, and reading the structure function claims um, related to the omega-3, but also to the K2, um, they immediately understand that this product is so attractive that a fifth of those consumers decides immediately, I want to buy this product of omega-3 and K2. And that, is, that, that shows us um, K2 is just at the beginning. Um, and when we look in, into our sales records to our clients, when we look into the um, uh, market sales data, um, which companies uh, provide uh, both in, in uh, North America, Latin America, in Europe, uh, but also in Asia and Africa. We see that basically everyone who launched a K2 product and supported it with the right marketing um, has a very sustainable, good and strong growth in, on 
on the sales. Um, usually, first year launch after launch, with sales results are already very good, and then we see these products growing. But at the same time, new K2 products come out, and um, that's why we we are looking right now in a around 50 to 60 percent year over year growth in the market. And as we are talking mass markets here, the volumes have become substantially big over the recent years. K2 is no longer a niche vitamin. It has entered the mass market. And that's based on on the science, of course. I think that's quite a significant statistic of the 50 to 60% year-on-year growth. And I, I don't imagine that there's many businesses that would not want to be um, looking into the opportunities and where the commercial opportunities might lie. Um, I think there's, there is a vast potential to target various health concerns and health areas. And from what you've described, the substantial science and studies behind K2 are really building its reputation in the market and quite hard to get my head around the concept that we're just at the starting line. Um, Jörg, to you, what are your thoughts around the commercial opportunities for businesses that would be looking to capitalize on K2's potential? Yeah, I mean, the first thing um, to our listeners, if you haven't yet launched a K2 product, it's time to launch now. And um, it's not difficult. That's a good thing. So um, there are four key aspects that support the commercial success, not just of K2, but of every dietary supplement in the market. So whenever a brand owner launches a product, the four questions are, is that product in demand? And that is something we can clearly prove for vitamin K2 by the launch numbers, by the growth in the market, um, by the consumer research we have conducted, um, by the uh, concept screens we have run. Uh, we also see um, that uh, K2 media awareness is increasing a lot. So on one hand, we see it on, on TV shows, just to name one of many examples. If you see, for example, a very prominent show in the US, the Dr. Ross show, where K2 has been recommended as one out of three dietary supplements the average U.S. consumer should take. And that was a multivitamin, it was an omega-3 product, and it was the perfect pair, the combination of D3K2. Um, mm. uh, for the average consumer to maintain um, health uh, throughout life. So this media awareness then is also supported with a very prominent and strong number of TV advertisements uh, we see on, on each and every continent around the globe. So consumer awareness goes up. And then, of course, the awareness that there's a very important correlation between vitamin D3 and K2 gets known to the consumer. And if you look at the D3 market, how strong this market grew over the uh, last uh, two and a half decades, um, I think the market is now settling a little bit, but, but D3 is one of the uh, mostly consumed health ingredients around the world. And that is where we see the correlation with K2 because consumers understand D3 and K2, they belong together. Whenever you take D3, you should also take K2. And that's why we also have a very positive expectation for the upcoming years. And um, other research that was done is there the willingness by consumers to um, to spend on a monthly basis for vitamin K2, actually with a uh, quite interesting premium on it. It's interesting. And then we see the category growth rate that, for example, in, in, in uh, European retail, 
we saw a category growth rate between 14 and 18 of 133%. So there's proven demand, and demand is one out of the four critical factors. That's what we call the critical quads. So we have demand, and the product must be in demand to be successful. The other thing is the science, as we've mentioned before. You need science, substantial goods, clinical science, and you need structure function claims and health claims in order to educate the consumer at the point of sale. And that's what we have for vitamin K2. And then there's um, uh, two other aspects, which is um, the convenience factor or comfort of taking products. And that is something where K2 offers enormous benefits not just for the um, cardio and bone health categories, that also goes beyond. Um, let me just give you one example here. Um, we see a lot of joint health products on the market, and the prominent ingredients are um, chondroitin and glucosamine, um, ingredients that require an intake of uh, up to, to 1,500 milligrams per day. Um, this can be difficult if it's formulated in the classical dose forms like tablets, when especially elderly consumers have issues swallowing large-sized tablets. Um, it is possible to combine vitamin K2, vitamin D3, with um, a collagen, for example. And there are collagen products available on the market. To mention one, there's, for example, um, Lonsa's UC2 product. Um, which has proven to be very effective at only 40 milligrams per day. So if we take a look here, it only requires a few micrograms of D3. It only requires 75, 90 micrograms of vitamin K2 and K7, and then plus 40 milligrams of um, this specialty grade of collagen. Um, this provides us with a tablet that even including the excipient has a weight of less than 100 milligrams, can also be a capsule. So that is very easy for consumers to consume. And that product is not just a joint product, it's a full mobility concept because the K2 targets bones, the D3 also supports muscle, muscle health, and then we have the collagen um, that supports um, a joint comfort. So a significantly smaller dose form that instead of just looking at the um, joint comfort becomes a whole holistic mobility concept. And this is where K2 brings in a lot of excitement to the dietary supplement market, um, brings extra solutions in terms of uh, comfort and convenience to consumers. And that is very important because only um, convenient uh, products and, and easy to consume products will remain long-term on the market. And last but not least, and I think I've mentioned it before, K2 is not expensive. These uh, significant benefits for cardiovascular health and for bone health are available for less than two cents per day. And I tell you, I, I spent my two cents per day in order to obtain these two significant benefits and I recommend other ones to do the same. Yeah, I'm sure you don't regret it at all. Um, Jörg, uh, we've spoken quite a lot about how K2 and D3 is the perfect combination, and um, we've spoken a bit about these other joint combinations that really create an optimal health solution. What are some of the other typical applications that you see, and where does the potential lie for further collaboration and other joint combinations? Good question. 
We talked about the D3 um, just just a minute back. We talked about the, the collagen peptides um, that bring us additional benefits. Um, we've already mentioned the omega-3 and, and the strong consumer re research data behind it. And that's going to be a very big uh, cardiovascular product combination. And we also more and more discover, and that's where you will see a big number of products being launched um, over next year that goes into the probiotic and prebiotic um, area where we see um, great health benefits in the intestinal uh, system, also related to vitamin K2 because calcium in the intestinal wall can also cause uh, harm over there. But I think the most important and the most prominent, that's uh, multivitamin formulations. Because if you want to have enough vitamin K2, MK7 out of your diet, um, you need to eat quite significant amount of certain foods. Because um, the, the way how we are now preserving our food after the refrigerator was invented is we consume less fermented food products. And because of that, we don't get enough vitamin K2 through the diet anymore. And what we can do is you can eat half a kilo of Roquefort cheese per day. And that's going to be enough to supply you with uh, sufficient amounts of K2, MK7. Um, uh, I tried it for a certain time, and I tell you, after the third day, I, I didn't really feel good. There was too much cheese mm. in my stomach, right? So, no, just yeah. kidding. But it's it's it's, it's just, just enough of it, too much of it, of course. Um, I think there's only one food around the globe that really contains high amounts of K2, MK7, and that is the uh, Japanese soybean, the natto dish. Um, but that's not everyone's taste. So I'd recommend every consumer to, to give it a try. And if you like it, you have a very nice food source of vitamin K2, MK7. And um, but since we don't have it in the Western diet, especially on, on, on the needed uh, daily amount, um, vitamin K2 is a must-have ingredient, ingredient in any multivitamin formulation. Well, Jörg, it's, it certainly sounds like the, the commercial opportunities are just tremendous for K2, and the sky really is the limit. Um, Kappa Bioscience is going to be at Vita Foods Asia in September, and I'm really excited to hear about your new lookbook, which I know was recently launched. Um, what exactly was the idea behind the lookbook, and what business needs did you have in mind when you developed this? Yeah, and when we started with vitamin K2 um, about 10 years back, K2 was very expensive. At that time, we had a cost per day of around 20 cents, um, and there was literally no awareness. Uh, whenever we went to see contract manufacturers or brand donors, uh, when we talked about vitamin K2, we had to start really at the scientific um, bottom line and then work ourselves forward. But since our clients didn't really saw the market potential at that time, and didn't really want to invest into formulating products. Um, we felt um, we are not just in a need to educate about the scientific um, background of vitamin K2. We are also in a need to make it easier for uh, potential marketers to bring new K2 products to market. And what we did is we developed the, about 150 ready-to-use consumer products. It's a big number of different dose forms in there. I think about 20 different dose forms. And then we have formulations 
for all these health concerns, we've got the bones, the cardio, the kids' products, the joint formulations, um, specialty cardios with omega-3 and the probiotics and the multivitamins, and all this already ready developed. The products we have in the formulation lookbook um, are not just developed on paper. Actually, there are existing contract manufacturers behind these formulations, sometimes uh, even more than just one, and we do have contract manufacturers uh, for these formulations all around the globe. So if a brand owner decides on, on, a, on a specific formulation in our lookbook, uh, all we have to do is, uh, first of all, recommend them the right formulation. Uh, and there are a few questions we need, like, like what is your market positioning? Are you going for high innovation? Or are you striving for low-cost uh, manufacturing? Uh, what is your consumer group? With a very little number of questions, we can actually identify less than a handful of products um, that should uh, serve our, our clients' interests the best. Um, there's no need for them uh, to stick to that formulation. We make them available free of charge. Um, we help them to get inspired and to come up with their own ideas, of course. But we can then, if they're interested in these formulations or variances of, of those, uh, we can connect them with the contract manufacturing parties so that they can uh, very quickly bring these products to market. On top, we have conducted in our own uh, laboratory, uh, which we have as uh, Kappa Analytics in Oslo, um, a big number of stability trials. So, for example, uh, we not just tested K2 as an ingredient manufacturer, but we not just tested K2 as a standalone ingredient and can prove that it's stable for the whole shelf life. No, we've also tested K2 combined with all the major ingredients that provide uh, combined health benefits. So, there are uh, K2 calcium studies ongoing for years now. We have the K2 magnesium studies. Uh, we are just right now running uh, a K2 omega-3 uh, stability trial where we have not just used one grade of omega-3. I think we have um, seven different grades of omega-3 just obtained from fish oil. And we do have omega-3 from algae and the like. Um, from eye flower and all of this in our stability trial. So um, we provide security and peace of mind to our clients. We provide an easy access to the market, uh, ready developed yep. products, fast launch data. And on top, we have conducted consumer research on a big number of these formulations. So uh, we cannot just make a recommendation on the formulation. We can also inform our clients what do thousands of consumers think about this particular formulation and product combination, and this way make it really easy for our uh, clients, brand owners, uh, to launch new vitamin K2 products. And that's a different way because we are very transparent. We uh, inform brand owners who are the contract manufacturers. There are not many many secrets in the market. I think it's a different way of going to market and transparency matters a lot to us. And we don't charge for this. Um, we are not selling the finished product. Uh, we are just providing the recommendation and access um, to the contract manufacturer. And then we provide our, our customers, our brand owners with all the stability data and with the consumer research data and so on, packaging recommendations um, and, and all of this. And that makes it a very, very valuable tool for uh, 
brand owners, but also contract manufacturers who can uh, join our um, project here and, and bring their own technology into the formulation book. And we continue developing this every single year. Um, we are launching a new formulation lookbook, which on top also contains all the information you need to know about vitamin K2. It's a kind of K2 Bible where we talk about the health applications, bone cardio kits, but we also talk about purity uh, questions of the product. We talk about analytical methodology, how to test right, what are laboratories that have good experience of vitamin K2. We provide recommendation on product development, overage, uh, intake levels, and all of this. So if you, if, if you want to become a vitamin K2 expert, all you got to do is uh, uh, grab one of our formulation lookbooks at uh, the upcoming Wider Foods Asia show, read through on your flight back home, and uh, mm. you are an, an expert at K2. I want to go back and revisit this concept about um, Kappa offering free of charge K2 tests for finished products. Um, what was the thinking behind doing that? Are you just committed to the industry serving consumer promise? Um, what was the thinking behind offering that service free of charge? Yeah, look, it um, started some years back, I think it was around um, 2012, when uh, we decided in-house, look, our, our, our heart and the heart of Kappa is um, the laboratory work. We actually invented um, the manufacturing process of K2 uh, in our own lab before the company Kappa was even existing. And yeah. where we worked as a contract research organization. And uh, I always make a joke about it that we invented this over lunch break, um, which may is not the, the truth here. But um, the, um, we know that in our production process, the outcome is an all trans MK7 form, so full bioactive form of MK7. We have uh, very, very low levels of this uh, in the product. It's only about 0.3%. Uh, and now, if you acknowledge 0.3%, um, it's what we have. The legal requirements of the, the US, USP requires maximum of 2%, and in Europe it's, it's even more. I think it's around, around 6% or something. But so we have this, this very pure um, form of uh, MK7 as a trans molecule. Plus, we don't have any other um, MK impurities in there. Very often, products can contain other MKs next to the MK7, uh, which can have uh, an imp impact on the bioavailability. And, and we don't have this, so we decided let's buy every single K2 product on the market that we can find and compare um, its uh, purity and uh, let's see what we're going to do with this. And then we, we, we purchased all these products, we've tested them. So the results we, we obtained from the testing were very shocking. Um, we identified that 80% um, of the products did not meet label claim, but 41% of the products um, had no vitamin K2 in it. And of course, we trust our clients and our competitors' clients um, that they put the K2 into the formulation. So we realized something must be wrong. And because of doing yeah. these investments into, into, into stability trials and testing, we actually discovered that vitamin K2 is instable when blended with minerals. And that helped us, of course, uh, from a competitive perspective, uh, we had an, um, an advantage terms of uh, knowledge. And then we immediately um, developed a double beetlet microencapsulated form of vitamin K2. Um, and, and this product is called K2 Vital Delta, which is a specialty K2 form 
super stable next to minerals. And um, because we realized it was not just competitors' product not being stable, it was our own product, the standard powder as well. So then um, with this um, advantage and knowledge based on our investment into trials, um, we were the first company launching a microencapsulated product to market, and that helped us to gain market share, of course. And so in our philosophy, it is, it's good to, to um, make the homework first and take the risk of additional investments because there's gonna, something's going to come out of it, and we continue doing so. But since we understood that there are many products in the market that have stability issues and that, that we have a very easy to solution to it, which, by the way, is uh, not higher in cost. Um, we felt we want to educate the market, and we are doing two things. Um, every year, we now continue to buy uh, finished products off, off the shelves, and we continue testing them. And we also invite every brand owner, every contract manufacturer to provide us with samples free of charge that we would then put into our annual review of the market. And the results of this review are, are um, published every year in what we call um, the vitamin K2 market case study. And we are very happy because we, what we can now prove in our latest uh, 2019 market case study, which we will launch at Vita Foods Asia, we could prove for the very first time, and even this, with this big number of new product launches, that the quality of the vitamin K2 market when it comes to, to label claim, meeting the label claim has improved. And we could also see that with all our efforts and work we have done here, um, that now also our competitors are launching microencapsulated products. So I think it's fair to say with our investments, we have uh, contributed to the improvement of this uh, vitamin market and, and ensure that consumers get products that comply with um, the legal requirements and the promise given to them. Um, fair to say, still all around the globe, we find a lot of products not being stable, but also for a company like Kappa, it takes a little bit of time to reach out to everyone. But um, if you listen right now, and if you have a vitamin K2 product, if you're not 100% uh, um, secure when it comes to stability of your product, uh, please reach out and we would be happy to test uh, your uh, vitamin K2 product. So, of course, this uh, is an offer made to uh, brand donors, ingredient brand donors in the market so that we um, give them help and advice how to make uh, best quality products available to clients. Um, Jörg, it's so great to hear about the commitment from Capital to compliance and product stability. And I think this ties back to that really important message of ensuring consumer trust and building a strong loyalty to K2. Um, just wrapping up, what is your final outlook with regards to K2 market? And um, I know that your company will obviously be at Vita Foods Asia. Um, how might your outlook be reflected in what you what you will be shake, showcasing this year? Yeah, so um, at Vita Foods Asia, uh, we're going to showcase um, the new formulation lookbook. Uh, we're going to showcase our new market study. Um, we are also um, bringing to market a couple of new formulations, especially for the Asian market, um, as you probably recognize in the, just an example, in the Vietnamese market, and vitamin K2 is now becoming a very prominent ingredient in dairy applications. And that's also where we see a big part of the future. K2 is entering mass markets on the dietary supplement field, um, but that's not uh, where it's going to uh, stop. 
it will continue going into um, uh, further applications. And then, uh, very important to us, we can now start talking about a new molecule um, that we will bring to market uh, next year, uh, where we have obtained now the first regulatory approval. So this new molecule is a provitamin of uh, vitamin K2. We actually do hold the patent on the molecule itself, and this provitamin has proven in, in very long-term stability trials to be stable in light because vitamin K2 is not just instable when blended to minerals and there needs to be microencapsulated. It is also instable when exposed to light. And with our uh, new product, the provitamin, um, we will launch a product to market, especially for the food industry, um, where it can be used in, uh, for example, fortified beverages, which are usually exposed to light. So here our provitamin um, that uh, delivers the same health effects as the vitamin activation of osteocalcin and activation of MGP. And we now have a technical solution to enable K2 also to go into these beverage applications. And knowing that the market in Asia um, uh, is, is, is very open and receptive to alternative uh, delivery forms, especially in the, in the fortified uh, food categories. And that's something where we are really looking forward uh, to be in contact with our customers and potentially new customers in the Asian region. Uh, we look forward to meeting you at the booth J25 at Vitafoods Asia and uh, to share with you our formulation lookbooks and all the research we have done and hopefully uh, start working on new product launches um, with the support we can provide, but of course also with the market exits that our clients have. Thank you so much for this comprehensive summary of how K2 works in the body, um, the science, and the clinical trials that are being invested and where the future of the K2 market is going to grow. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in Vitafoods Asia and sharing in this big journey. Thanks so much for your contribution to this podcast. Charlotte, thank you very much for the invitation. It was a great pleasure today and also, of course, for everyone who was listening to this podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, we wish you safe travels to Singapore. And uh, I can only say thank you and bye for now. Brilliant. We'll see you there, York. Thank you. Thank you.